Hello and welcome to episode, oh my gosh, oh, is it episode six already? Episode six. Woohoo! Episode six of the Gig Stories podcast with Chris and Alex. Hello! Alex and that, that high-pitched little voice there was our Scotsman, <laughs> Chris, <Hello>. who, <laughs> you can forgive him, is very excited. I'm giddy. I'm a giddy kipper. You're very giddy. Come on, tell us all why. Why are you so excited? Because I photographed live music last night in a venue, <laughs> in a venue with actual audience members present. Yes. How good is yes. that? We need to. I'm. I'm hoping that in the edit we can add sound effects. Um, I would clap, but apparently I've not clapped for, uh, uh, anything for a year, and I've forgotten how to do it. No, I'd probably miss my hands. Yeah, clap, 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 clap. So, Chris, uh, as as you may or may not have heard from other episodes, Chris is a photographer, and that's his his actual job. And it was a job. It was a you, job. You had a job, but live music with audience. It was great. How was it? How did it feel? It was for the Stoller Hall, um, which is fantastic, fantastic venue in Manchester. And, and what kind of what kind of venue is that for our friends outside of Manchester? Just predominantly explain. for classical music, but there are loads of different things that go on there. There's a lot of folk. There's a lot of jazz that goes on. Um, there are other events. So I've photographed conferences there. I photographed for the um, Manchester Podcast Festival, which was great. I photographed Richard Herring's podcast recording there and yeah so it's a beautiful relatively new building in in manchester just um because it's linked to chetham's school of music no oh, famous school famous school i'm assuming the acoustics inside are fantastic are they yeah absolutely beautiful absolutely beautiful and they, they've just thought about the venue a lot in terms of its design and it's um you know it's how fit for purpose it is in in what in what way? Well, what just there's a, a lovely detail, and I say detail, but um, it's in the shape of the actual building. It's shaped like a grand piano. Right. If okay. you if you're in one of the really tall um, buildings in Manchester and looking down on the Stoller Hall, it looks like a grand piano. I love that. Which it's a lovely. And, love you see that. what I mean about a detail? Yeah. It's a detail which is the size of the building um but yeah it's 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 lovely it's a lovely place and I so um i photographed the canny masons uh, two two of this sublimely talented family one of whom uh, was the cellist who played at um harry and megan's wedding sheku um but oh, it wasn't yeah. sheku so he, he's the he's the elder brother and last night I photographed uh, Braima, who's a uh, younger brother who plays violin, and Konya, who uh, is sister, playing piano. Yeah, they're very much like the Von Trapps, aren't they? They're a large family and they're all musical geniuses, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, absolutely. And I know we've talked about it in the past, about when you just first hear people playing and you realise that you're in the presence of real talent and you can just go ah, this is going to be great. And that's exactly what it was. As soon as he st strung his first, you know, as soon as he bowed his first note, he just knew, yeah. ah, this is going to be good. We 
honest though, Chris, if they'd have played the whole thing out of tune, out of time, would you have still, you'd have still just been excited to be there, wouldn't you? Because it was live music. Of course, of course. It was. <laughs> <laughs> and I bet, I bet you, I bet your shots last night were all blurred, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I've, I took a, a few selfies by accident, and yeah. <laughs> I'd love to have seen that selfie. A really Chris selfie. At a just a massive eye. Why didn't you do that so we could show everyone? That would have been absolutely brilliant. Next one, Pay. Next one. I'll do it. I'll do it. But yeah, just lately the audience. Sorry, you said there was an audience in. How how did that work? Who were the audience? Like I mentioned, the um, the Stoller Hall is linked. I mean, actually physically linked to uh, Chet's the the music school. It's linked by this beautiful tawny orangey bridge which stretches across to this. I mean, Hogwarts, basically. It's like all my favourite motorway service stations, you know, Strensham, yeah. ones that really have that good bridge. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Across the road to Greg's and KFC. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it's like, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a motorway services bridge that takes you to a Greg's. Did you did you have a pasty while you were watching the concert last night? Not, not before the performance. Oh. No. No. <laughs> So, great reference, baby. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so the audience was um, Chet's students, and so they were they were all in in bubbles anyway. Because in order for them to, <laughs> you're laughing. You're still laughing. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, sorry. You okay? You okay? Yeah, yeah. Carry on. Carry on. And so they were all all bubbled, and so they were sat in their little groups around and um and so they managed to it was a, a good kind of 70 or 80 um, people all spread out which meant that you got a lovely applause sound which i've missed yes. live applause nice. was beautiful nice. and one other thing which i didn't realize that i'd missed is is the sound of an instrument tuning up oh i love that yeah brahma um, the the violinist was just just quickly tuned up his violin and it was it was lovely and it kind of you know that sent a little shivers down my spine and it got me to thinking about the previous job that I had uh, a couple of weeks ago for a theatre company called Walk the Plank and I was photographing this they, they, they specialise in outdoor events and pyrotechnics and yes. all this kind of stuff but this this photo shoot that I did for them at one point they got the uh, one of these portable dry ice machines and <laughs> when they turned on the dry ice, the, the dry ice has got this particular smell. And as soon as I smelt that dry ice, I was in a venue. I was uh, because when you when you're waiting for a band to come on, you know that um, the band is just about to come on when they they give this big steady puff of the of the dry ice, and you go right, we're in here, we're just about to start. Yes. It got me thinking about other things which you might not think about too much but now that we've had time to ponder what other things do you miss or do you, do you remember being part of a, a gig or concert going experience what what do you associate with with gigs You're and right, concert going? I, love, I love that you had that experience because those things and uh, both you and i have, have have been to lots of classical concerts in our lives and of course you know rock concerts opera indie whatever and you're right that there's a few signs that start the anticipation mm. and in the classical 
it, it takes me straight back to being sat in St. David's Hall with, with my mum, generally in the choir stalls behind the orchestra, because that's where the cheap tickets were, or up in the gods. I have a sort of a specific angle of my memories in my brain looking down. But hearing, hearing that sort of hum of, of an audience. Yeah. And then, uh, 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 the, yeah, the, the orchestra the, tunes the up. The orchestra tuning up. Sounds like I need to tune up. Um, and, you get it with a the theatre as well, with a theatre yes. audience. Um, yes. Well, one thing that I, I there's and it can do with a silence. So, I, so at a gig, you'll get you'll get a cheer when the DJ cuts a tune out halfway through. You know that he's not just fading into another tune. He cuts it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. They, they cut it out halfway through. <laughs> and then you go, oh, and then blackout and... Um, but in a theatre, you'll get this kind of chitter-chatter all the way through the audience. And then there'll be something, maybe the lighting will change ever so slightly. And then everyone will just drop down to a hush. And then maybe the delay will be a little bit too long. And so they'll start kind of uncomfortably giggling or talking, <laughs> and then it'll happen again. So there's all these little tiny little details which um, you don't realise you miss, but when they happen I, I, again, I miss seeing roadies coming on and off. Yeah. Doom, 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 doom. Doom. Yeah. Doom. One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, 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 two. <laughs> And the guitar tech who will, will play a couple of chords and then get a round of applause from the, from the crowd. Oh my gosh. There were a lot of people at this gig who can back me up. Okay. One of my most anticipated gigs was the Stone Roses at, uh, oh, get this right, Winters, Wembley Arena. Now, this was back in the, the, the second coming days, mm. but it was really, it was such a nervous feeling for me because it was actually the Manics supporting. That's the real reason we went. Mm. And it was the Manics sort of first gig back. They played one, one little gig in Manchester uh, in a small venue after R Richie's disappearance. So this was a, a design for life time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then... I mean, talk about uh, choosing a gig to come back on. It was supporting Stone Roses. And, uh, oh, just what a gig. What a gig. I remember Nicky Wirewise, Cardiff Devil's Top. And it was full of emotion. I've never, that support act. Oh, that, that's one of the greatest live sets I think I've ever seen. And my, my heart just broke for the three of them. Um, and it was, it was just incredible. But my funny anecdote to that evening the Stone Roses finish, I am the resurrection. Of course they do. End mm -hmm. of gig. They do all the time, yeah. Exactly. Finish, gone, gig over, venue starts to empty. A few minutes, and you can hear music. Now, I want someone to confirm. I'll have to, I'll have to ask my friend Ray that I was with. I was with my friends Ray and Dave. And... I think it might have been a Jimi Hendrix song. You could hear Jimi Hendrix come in and the three of, well, especially the two of us, me and Ray, who were sort of musically uh, eared, should we say, we were like, that's live instruments. We rushed back in thinking, what, the Stone Roses are doing some weird delayed encore when the crowd are leaving. 
Like one of those um, album tracks that you get yes. when you you wait for 30 seconds. In fact, wasn't that on the second coming? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Half hour, there's a half hour gap, isn't there? And then that, that and then track. Another little bit, yeah. We go back and the roadies have come on, all of them, <laughs> and, and are playing live. And they're going, no way. And it was, it was hilarious. Talk about living the dream. You would though, wouldn't you? You absolutely well, would, would you? do that. Yes, of course. You'd want to, but surely you when couldn't... Wembley Stadium. Well, were they were they striking? But were they were the Stone Roses playing another night the next night? So they weren't striking. Do you see what I mean? They weren't taking all the kit down. But we went back and watched these roadies, and there will be obviously thousands of other people there who can confirm this for me. And actually, that may have been the reason that we were late and missed our coach home to Cardiff. And so at at two in the morning. Our friend's dad picked us up. You just go in the car. You went, I'm coming for you. Because we were just sleeping at the National Express coach station in wherever it was. And he was like, no, I'm coming to get you. And he just drove and picked us up and took us back to Cardiff. <laughs> anyway, oh so roadies, big shout out to roadies out there. And <laughs> I miss roadies tuning up and, and checking those. I'm sure there are some other um, little details that that we've forgotten, and maybe there are some which are more important to other people than uh, that we haven't even registered. So you know, if anyone out there has has got their tiny little little details that they are, they miss about being in a yeah, live venue, it. then that that'd be great to hear. Well, that is exciting. I'm I'm glad that you you did that and you had that, and and we are we are coming out. In fact, you know, as as we sit here recording this, I'm seeing that. Kendall Collin has just put out a message now saying the wait is over. Kendall Collin 2021 revealed tomorrow, 12 p.m. So mm. there's lots of festivals, aren't there? And and that's that's end of July as well, isn't it? It's July 31st yeah. that they're starting. Yeah. I mean that's so, that's early. Park Life was was um, announced yesterday. Sold out in an, so, an hour. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> uh, and that's September, but um, Kendall Collin. That's interesting because it's the end of July, so Early. we'll need to we'll, need, we'll we'll wait to see what the um, the capacity is, whether it will be reduced. I don't know. I don't know. What who who knows? But and and lots and lots of tours being announced for next year, which you know can seem frustrating. But I'll, I'll be honest, I have no reason to sort of doubt next year. You know, touch wood. This year. I'll just be glad to get to anything. But next year, God, it's going to be a, a a winner. And if any of these come off this year, then I'll see you in Manchester Cathedral in October for cheering breaks. <laughs> so it, it it's great because some of you have been getting in touch, uh, as, as, as we've asked you to do. Uh, and from last week's episode, the big man Andy Day, CBB's legend, uh, we've had lots of love for that episode, and it was fun. Lots um, of mums, I, 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 I've, <laughs> yeah. I've noticed. Lots, lots of mums. I'm, I'm not drawing any link there. I'll tell you all. why, because dads are just are, are too cool. They're too cool to, you know, even when I was out and about in the street, I'd, I'd see dads nudging the mums going, it is him, go and say hello, because they were just too cool to come and say hello themselves. So mums, you're awesome for speaking up and speaking yeah. out how great Andy Day was on that episode. The mum's favourite. Exactly. Lindsay Brockwell, she put, we're listening right now and I can say 100% that we 
are an Odd Socks super fan family. They love Andy and the Odd Socks. Saw our first Odd Sock gig in 2019, and we all fell in love with the entire band and the songs. When we sing along, we pretend we're on the stage. Uh, we're missing you guys. Hope to see you. And she's put that she loves listening. And she's put a picture of her boys to a little boys, Thomas and Benji, and they sing along uh, with their own microphones, which I think is is brilliant. So well, got... it was quite nice to have a, an episode that doesn't have the swears in it. Um, I, I can't guarantee that this one won't have any swears. There might be a couple, <laughs> but um, it was nice to have a, a, a family friendly version. And we will endeavour to warn you if there are any swears in, in future episodes. But um, yeah, Andy's is clean as a whistle. We might even have some more similar guests in the future. You never know. What are the chances, Alex, X of CBBs? Um, I do not know. Maybe we'll never know. <laughs> but on, <laughs> on to today's episode, Christopher. Oh, fantastic. So uh, our guest this week is Sophie Galpin, multi-instrumentalist. Um, she, well, she plays everything. Uh, I knew her firstly as a drummer and I first met her actually. She was playing in a band at the Royal Exchange for a piece of theatre, which was great. Um, and then I subsequently photographed her for my exhibition but um, she plays guitar, she plays drums, she plays violin, bass. she bass, keys, you name it. She's just a, a yeah, she's a, a force of nature, uh, and very funny and very open about um, about loads of things in this episode. It was a great chat, wasn't it? Oh man, I just I loved it. I love all our chats because I'll I'll chat to anyone as you know about pretty much anything. But if you meet and chat with Sophie, you'll see why. And I've stalked and I've told her, stalked on social media because her, her pictures and her information on all the different bands she's played with, I've just been lost and listening to all those bands. And it's fantastic. So it's, it's great to talk to uh, someone who's been on the road pretty much constantly since she was 18. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, that is amazing. So on Sophie's um, episode page, there will be some um, YouTube videos there. We've got a playlist set up now. And um, yeah, so go to the web page just to get that little bit extra information and um, background and just add a little bit of richness to the, to the episode. But yeah, it's a cracker. It's great. And of course, it includes, obviously, chat about Belinda Carlisle. Yeah, briefly, but any any chat about Belinda and not Shawadi Wadi is welcome. That's right. So grab a drink, sit down and get ready for Chris and I to talk to a famous daughter of Northampton. Sophie Galpin. Enjoy. Indeed, welcome to the Gig Stories podcast, as always, with me, Alex the Welsh one, and Christopher Payne, my beautiful Scottish friend. I'm the Scottish one, yeah. You are indeed, the bearded, the bearded Scottish one, <laughs> as, as you pointed out on Twitter, I think. How are you doing, Christopher? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad at all. Now, it's time to introduce our guest, and I'm very excited about this. I'm just going to make myself chuckle. Today's guest, you may already know her from pins or playing with soak self-esteem 
please give a huge welcome to Pfizer Manelli. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. For those listening, Winters here has done his homework. I've been stalking you on the old Twitter. <laughs> and that is Sophie Galpin. Sorry, Sophie. And I noticed that someone's had their jab and came up with Pfizer Manelli. And yeah. it made me chuckle more than it should. Like throughout the day, <laughs> I've, I've thought about that and gone, Pfizer Manelli. <laughs> it's made me, it's made me smile. So you are, you're all vaccined up and ready to go then. I am. It was a bit of a surprise, to be honest. I was like, you're eligible for a vaccine. Do you want to book it? And I was like, yep. And then I went on the, the website and they've got like the timetable slots. And it was literally like trying to get Glastonbury tickets. Like by the time I tried to get a slot, it had gone. And I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, it's really, it's the kind of most excitement I've had in a little while. But yeah, I'm all, all vaccined up. And can you believe that at, at one point they were saying, well, I, I don't think people will want to get jabs at, at two o'clock in the morning and and uh, and as a whole the entire country went yeah i'll be yeah. absolutely fine i'll crawl yeah. at two o'clock in the morning to get a jag i'll go at three four five yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly it's brilliant do you know what you mentioned you mentioned glastonbury there and i'll be honest i was checking on whether i'd seen you so i'm really lucky because i'm i'm at glastonbury most years in the kids field um, mm. I do a little show in the kids field. And so I went, I jumped online um, to Google uh, whether I'd seen you. Cause I, I saw, uh, admittedly, I didn't see the whole set uh, soak in 2019 yeah. and you were indeed playing. Now, I don't know if you know, this exists, right. But I stumbled on something, Sophie, right. And it just made me smile. And this shows just how very famous you are. Okay. Oh God! So there's a website, and it's called Famous Birthdays. Oh God! Do you, do you know? Do you know about? Oh, you found you found my homepage. Oh my God! <laughs> it's just got your birthday on it. It's just, just my birthday made by me for me. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know this website existed. I've spent far too much time looking on famousbirthdays.com. And oh, so I'm just going to tell you a bit about yourself. Sophie, oh, God. In okay. Case, in case you didn't know. So it is your birthday in just a couple of weeks. Is that right? It is my birthday. I share, I yeah. share my birthday with uh, Lady Gaga. Wow, that's good. Uh, yeah. Do you have like joint parties? Every year I tweet her and I'm like, hey, babe, what are we doing for our birthday this year? And like one day I'm just really hoping that like if I commit to the bit for like 10 years, one day and then it will like go viral on YouTube. Do you know what I mean? Like and be like, this woman tweeted Lady Gaga every year for 20 years and now they're having a birthday. But like, that's what I'm hoping will happen. And it'll be a Reddit, you know, a Reddit phenomenon and it will go viral. and I'll be on the local news. That's what I'm aiming for. I think she's subscribed to this podcast. So um... she is. She's a big fan. I'm always like, hey, hun, are we doing the usual down the working men's club? Or uh, you know what we're going to do in lockdown again? But, you know, like, let me, let me know. PM me. <laughs> she loved the Clint Boone episode. Big fan. She's, she loves the Inspire Carpet. Oh, yeah. uh, anyway, you, you are an Aries, Sophie. And um, just to boost your ego a bit, uh, on this website, you are the 189,207th most popular person on here. I'll take it. Yeah, it's not bad, that. It's not bad. Yeah. And let me just tell you about yourself. You're a multi-instrumentalist, best known for being the drummer for the English rock band Pins. Additionally, she's played bass for Sam Isaac and done string arrangements for a variety of acts, including 
Belinda Carlisle and My First Tooth. This is old news. Old news. But whoa. true, it's not fake yeah, news. Yeah, it's not it's fake awesome. news, no. How, whoa, whoa, whoa. So let's just back the truck up. Belinda Carlisle. I mean, we're, we're jumping right in in this podcast. There's no way. This is two feet challenge, what, this one. What have you been doing with Belinda Carlisle? I just played some violin on one of her songs. My friend was producing it and he was like, can you, can you stick some strings on this? So yeah, like I do quite a lot of that where I, I record violin and layer it all up in my bedroom um, and then send it to somebody and then they make it sound fabulous. It's no pretty good way. for that. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Cause like, if you want to make a, make like a string orchestra on the cheap, you just get the Sophie Galpin orchestra of one. And then I just record a lot of tracks and send it over and like- My favorite it's, orchestra. It's, <laughs> Thank you. It's good. It's good for uh, kind of like beefing out some synth strings or whatever to get the mm. live sound on top. Okay. Yeah. So, so that is that. I mean, I'm going to come. Obviously, we will talk about your uh, musical talents, but obviously, this is very important websites for your famous birthdays, and you can't even hide Blind Carlisle from them. No. Um, Who is that? Who is doing this? <laughs> before fame. Oh my God. Why they do this as well? Before you were famous. You majored in music composition at the University of Manchester. Who are these people? Yes, that's true. Good. Uh, trivia, anyone? Listeners, <laughs> trivia about Sophie? Trivia. <laughs> yep, she composed, <laughs> she composed four tracks for a Christmas Children's Hospital documentary in 2014. Again, true facts. Lovely. True lovely. Fact. It's called The Kids Hospital at Christmas. Love that. Now, wow. let's, let's, let's talk about some meaty stuff, your family life. Oh, God. She has a sister named Carly. It's her birthday today as well. Happy oh, birthday, Carly. Happy, happy birthday, birthday Carly. Carly. What a yeah. family life. And yeah. you are you associated with, you began performing with singer Faith Holgate in Pins in 2011. Yep, again, true. But again, slightly outdated now because it's, it's definitely 2021. Wow, I had to, didn't even know then. I was like, it's definitely, uh, no. Exactly. And to finish it off, you, you were born in Northampton. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, and you you are the 30th most popular person born in Northampton. <laughs> That's actually quite good. <laughs> Northampton's the second second biggest town in the UK. I'm happy with that. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> These next two are just brilliant, right? You, on this, according to this website, are the 42nd most popular 31-year-old drummer. <laughs> <laughs> niche <laughs> not even top 10 <laughs> fuck those guys yeah screw them screw them and the crummy website i wonder if my rating will go up and down when i turn 32 in a couple of weeks <laughs> what, where am i like, the 30th most oh popular 32 gosh. year old drummer i don't know i don't oh, remember man. there being a survey like who's answering that question i don't in know. the national census <laughs> yeah and, and this might be sort of I was going to say this might be unprofessional, but this isn't a professional podcast, let's be honest. So I'm actually making a note for myself on this. Please go back onto famousbirthdays.com when Sophie's oh, 32 and, and check when she's where she is. And you are the 14th uh, most popular Aries named Sophie. Again, not even top 10. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Utter bullshit. Utter bullshit. I, I demand a recount. Yeah, Sophie Galpin fans, they also viewed uh, four other drummers. Spencer really? Smith, Otto Wood, Rian Dawson, and actually someone who I totally love, Josh Dunn from 21 oh. Pilots. Nice. That was, the, that, that was one of the greatest things I've ever come across, I'll be honest. 
And I think that that's the episode. I think we've just nailed it. So thanks, yeah, Sophie. Thanks for having me. Thank you that so was, much. That was great. Yeah, this Thank is you. me being a little bit bitter because I know for a fact that I'm not even on that website, let alone... <laughs> yet, yet. 120-odd thousandth. You know what? I, I, didn't even, I didn't even search for you, Chris. Yeah, you searched for yourself first, though, didn't you, Alex? No, I, I haven't. I'm, I'm just doing it. Absolute nonsense. And typically... Typically, let me just confirm now, I've typed in my name, and what's come up? Alex Winter. Alex Winter. Classic. Yes, Bill and Ted. Yeah. Um, Can we get back to, to Sophie, please? Yeah, let's get back to Sophie, the 42nd most popular drummer who's 31 years old. All right. So we're talking about instruments already here, and I found out, and I've obviously seen and heard now just from the short time we've been speaking, that you obviously play a load of instruments. What, what would tell me about your, your childhood or your youth and how that happened? Were you uh, in a musical family or did it happen by chance? My family isn't like any more musical than any other family. Um, you know, we're not, we're not particularly musical, but I've always mm. just known intrinsically that that's what I wanted and would do. So like... I've never ever questioned that I was going to do music for a career or like all of the time ever. Like, I, I, since I can where, remember. When? When are you able to pinpoint that? Because no one, I'm not sure anyone's ever said that to me. That's quite, that's quite amazing. That's a real definite thing. Yeah. Like you remember it, the early inklings. Well, there's the, the moment that I first played an instrument is captured on camera. Like my, it was at Christmas and my mum got me one of those, like, uh, you know, it's like a little, trumpet with keyboard keys on from the early learning center you oh know, yes blue and like and <laughs> yes I, I was like about one i think it might even be kind of my first or second christmas and my mum got me that and i made a noise with it and like the glee on my face is, is like captured on camera and like that is like the root of it i think oh but, that is brilliant it's like a melody they called melodians yeah something like that but it's like yeah. dead dead shit you know like a really yeah. you know <laughs> um but I, I loved it and um and my sister played the piano and was like in the okay. choir and stuff but i i just basically i, I demanded piano like keyboard lessons when i was four because my sister was going and we would take her and drop her off and i just said to my mum, i was like mum, when do i start mine not like can i oh, like no i was just yeah. like when like because i just was like well that's what i'm gonna do so i started playing the piano and, and the keyboard when i was about about four yeah but i've always known and even before i kind of started studying music properly I've always noticed things about music and, and in hindsight was thinking about it analytically, even when I didn't quite have the vocabulary or the skills to kind of articulate it. I always noticed stuff. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, like, um, Chris, you're going to nerd out on me on this one. You know, um, Heart of Glass by Blondie's got that weird time change in. Yeah. You know, it's got that weird bar of like three in the middle sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember noticing that when I was really young. I must have been a toddler and I was like, that's weird. Like, I was like, the timing's weird. And like yeah. noticing stuff like that, but not, not quite being able to articulate that. And always like singing harmonies. Like my mum said she used to sing to me when she was changing my nappy and I would sing like pretty much in tune. She was singing Twinkle Twinkle and I'd finish the line off, you know, like it's always just been, it's always come naturally. So do you have, um, do you have perfect pitch or, or relative, you know, or close to, or is that? Close, close to, yeah. But, but that's, that's also something that's honed over time. Yeah, um, I, can, I can definitely like hear the difference between different keys when things are in certain keys and like, yeah, if something's in the wrong key, I, I know and um, I can pick things out like that. In lockdown, uh, just over the last year or so, I've realised that I've got a, a skill with with tunes that I know really, really well that if, if it's a, um, if I'm humming it, I'll be humming it in tune. 
So yeah, uh, and then I'll I'll just to check I'll I'll pop on YouTube or Spotify or whatever, and play it and realise that I was singing it in tune. Um, yeah. So I've got a kind of uh, memory of of what it should yeah, be. Exactly um, that. And I don't know what it is. It's not perfect pitch though. It's it's re it's relative pitch or something. You can kind of work at yeah. You know what's, you know what's wrong. So by process of elimination, you hone it down to what's right. I think. I, don't know. Yeah. I used to I used to test my sister because my, my, my I'm quite a musical family. My sister Claire, you, you could hear the um, the washing machine could be on its full spin at the end, and I say, "Oh, Claire, what's that? What's that?" And she'd go, and she'd know the note. Yeah, know? and yeah, it, yeah. whether it change, and I, I'd love to be able to do that. So right, so you you really did have some kind of innate. Yeah, something inside you, and an yeah. awareness of me. It's hard to not sound like a twat, but for, for a young kid to notice something like a a time signature change or something like that—that's quite. Uh... Yeah, it's just always because people are like, "Oh, you play those instruments? That's really cool." Like, is it really difficult? And I'm just like, "No, it feels like I'm cheating because it comes naturally. It's just the way that my brain right. works, you know. Like, yeah. it, you know, I just find it easy to pick that stuff up. So I feel like, yeah, <laughs> fraud because I'm like, well, just." The keyboard came first, and then just it probably took over a few years. But if you can just shorten it down, what order did the instruments start coming then? So keyboard and piano. When I was four, I was obsessed with violins, and then my godmother finally got me one when I was six, and I started doing violin lessons when I was six, and then I started guitar lessons when I was ten, um, and then from that I was kind of playing the bass as well, and then. I had, where are we at? Where else we got? Uh, I had a little dalliance with the saxophone for a bit, but that was a bit of a fad because my friend, my friend had one and I had one for a bit. Um, and then, We'd all had dalliances with uh, yeah. saxophones, you know. And then I started playing the drums properly when I was 23. <laughs> um, so, yeah. What but were I've you doing before 23 then? When you say properly, were you already having a go on drums yeah yeah I'd, I'd always just like if i was at band practice like have a go on the drums or in the music room at school like I'd, i could put a beat together but you know it's not it wasn't very good um but then i really started kind of doing that when i joined pins when i was about yeah 23 and i kind of wanted to join pins really bad so i just kind of shortcutted my way to drumming and then like developed my skills doing that and then i've since played drums for other people so i've got, I've got like quite i'm not like a you wouldn't book me for something that's kind of technically nuanced drums wise, like, like, like not kind of jazz or anything like that, but like for, for bands and like pop and rock and session stuff. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's take you back to um, your you, you youth a bit then as you were, because obviously from a really young age, you were playing instruments. Yeah. What kind of, what music were you listening to? Whether that was by choice or from, you know, your, your siblings or parents, what, what, what music was going on? All, all sorts really we always had the radio on so like and my mum always had radio 2 on and she would put something like radio 2 or like classic gold on when i was going to sleep so my musical oh, really? yeah my musical i think it's just like variety and eclecticism has always been important which is why i play different instruments different bands different genres yeah. like and people always like who are the artists that have inspired you the most and i'm like no it's always been like all the different stuff has inspired me like it's not like yes. When people are like, what's your favorite classic album? What's your favorite artist? I'm like, I'm picking favorites is really difficult for me. So I'm like, because there's something to be, get, some, sometimes it's something so small that you can take inspiration from, from one area and something really specific, or it can be something really general. You know, you can be like, I like this specific bar. I love what um, Mick Fleetwood does, the drum pattern in Little Lies by Fleetwood Mac. 
when just every now and again he does those three hits on the beginning of the bar like that is really specific yeah love it yes. but then some but sometimes yes. you just like i love that person's whole attitude you know like it, it can be it can be so small or it can be so wide and it can also change according to your mood you know this is going all going to change tomorrow yeah oh do, do you know I, w- I wish my family were here now because that specific thing in that song and actually mick fleetwood has a habit of doing it yeah i love it where he will throw in an extra uh beat or two and, just like once and that is a, yes yes yeah yeah i love there's, it there's a, there's a few fleetwood mac songs i could tell you and there's just oh i'm so glad that you said that because that's made me feel really excited because i know it's really niche but like it just came to mind yeah no no it's not niche at all that's just popped into my head um speaking to mike joyce and had you mentioned that to mike joyce as well at some point about one really particularly niche bit of drumming that he had done is that is that something i've imagined because he, I, I think he mentioned it about a particular, and it was a, a thing that he had not even noticed. And then he said that you'd pointed it out, and he'd gone, "Oh yeah, I do do that." And, really? Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. that's brilliant. You, you've you've pointed that out to Mike Joyce. <laughs> I'll need to have a listen back, but um, I, th- I think that, that says a lot about that ear for precision, and you, you know, um, th- those just. Good bits, those little good bits. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and and I've always noticed stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It it because I'm I'm not um I say I'm not musical. I I can sing. I know what's in and out of tune. I've got an ear. I used to I played the violin for years. Mm. Um, I could play the drums very very crudely and uh, bass guitar, but I always re- I've always remembered growing up listening to music. And it would always be when I go and see a, an act live that there occasionally would be specific things, little things like you've just mentioned, which is why mm. I'm, I've become really animated, <laughs> that I will listen out for. You know, in Last Goodbye by Jeff Buckley, there's just this one pause on, the, on this snare and then it's back at the end of the bridge. I just always listen out for that and there. Or it might be a, a specific... Um, one off bar in a chemical brothers track and i'm like oh this thing's gonna happen and i find i find such great joy in those little things and especially as you said little lies that's great so you've always communicated with music in different ways then yeah always i think also that when and then when you start to learn about you know the analytics of music and stuff and i've also been really obsessed with harmonies i was in a in like jazz vocal groups at school and like i was in a church choir for years like so singing in close harmony like up to eight 16 part harmonies wow i definitely use that in in my own music because i've started my own project which i'm trying to get off the ground this year kind of writing songs under that's like pop songs under the name soft lad and vocal harmonies are super important i've always listened out for harmonies i've always been harmonizing with stuff even when i was a kid singing along to the radio and that's always really interested me as well um, just the way that it makes you feel and like the intent behind it. Like, so with that little drum fill, it's like about the intent. It's like, it's, it's put there on purpose. Yeah. And even if it's like a happy accident that happened once that's been left in, it's put, it's left in on purpose, you know, like, yeah. and, and the intent behind that stuff just like excites me. Hang on, Sophie. Are you that person that harmonizes when we're all singing happy birthday to our friend? Yeah. Cause I'm a dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, guys, actually, I've got relative pitch, so let me. I've I've got this, guys. I've got it. Yeah. I've got this second verse covered. Yeah, I'm going to do a third for the first bit and then a fifth for the second. Guys, I'll take the fifth because it's harder. You have the third. It's easy. It's fine. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah of course I do. Of course. Because I, I sang in school and church choirs. 
and I just want to check how geeky. Now, this is going to be niche. I know exactly what you're going to say. <laughs> I bet yeah. you're going to say that you sing the descants or the Christmas carols because I just. Yes! <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I knew it was coming. Quiz of yeah. yeah. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Wow. Glory to the newborn king. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I sing oh all the desk camps. Oh, my sisters listening to this are going to be crying. I knew you were going to say it. I was like, that is a desk man if I've ever seen one. Yeah. He's pure, pure desk all the way, by the way. My, yeah, yeah I, I was because my, I'm, 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 I'm a, I'm a small fella and my physical growth in my teenage years was somewhat stunted, should we say. So I was the last to start my progress into uh, manhood. And so I, I was, I think I was the only, well, I was, I was the only boy still singing, you know, with the sopranos while everyone else gone into the bass and tenors. Yeah. I would sing the descant. And when I hear it still, some of those Christmas carols, I cannot help but sing oh, the descant yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When your eyes lock across a room with someone and you know you're both going for it, you're like, yes. <laughs> you know, and I know. Mm. <laughs> Me and my sister were both doing it at Christmas after loads of wine. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, yeah. it's, it's my favourite TV programme. I'm not going to, you know, reduce it any further down. My favourite TV programme all year is carols from kings on yes. christmas eve christmas can't start without that mm. and you know i'll, I'll do a little bit of descant I'll, i ain't gonna lie um yeah i mean i'll be down an octave but also when i was in a church choir like we used to do midnight mass on christmas eve which was amazing and then as i got older and we used to do midnight mass we definitely just go to the pub and have about six pints and then come back for midnight mass <laughs> It's yeah. like Larry, Larry. They started putting bouncers on at, at the church in my hometown just because <laughs> everyone was doing it. And they were just getting four cans of tenants and going into the balcony and yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, holy night, come on, get rowdy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm going to leave, we'll leave this and move on with me just sharing with you both that one of the happiest moments of my life was when I was able to start singing the bass lines because I then just jumped from soprano and my voice broke about two or three times and just went straight down to bass and yes. it was such a proud moment where I didn't have to sing the desk hands and I was singing with wondering all the wise yeah. men saw <laughs> the voice plummeted oh bless you bless your heart you must have been frightened when that happened you must have been really <laughs> terrified oh. What's happened to me? <laughs> it was so weird. It was so weird. Sophie Galpin, what was your first gig then as a performer? What do you remember as your first gig as a performer? What, what, what instrument was it? I remember I did like concerts and stuff at school, like yeah. orchestra and all that stuff. But like mm. in terms of band stuff, um, I had a band when I was 14 with some girls at my school. We were called Anolify. It's yes. not, not a real word. And um and we like we all clubbed together and we put our like uh, money together when we were fourteen and we like went into a studio and like did an EP, a four track EP. Oh brilliant. Like, this was fourteen years old. Um and Do you still have it. Yes. It's yes. not the worst music that fourteen year olds have ever made. 
like at all but you know it's like one of those bands where like every song is a different genre and like you hadn't found your your voice yet no 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 um in terms of like music that's been made in the world it's like not the worst but we used to play local gigs and like i remember playing in the back room of the racehorse pub in northampton when i was like must have been 15 or you know 15 16 like the sound house like local local gigs it was just like the most exciting thing ever mm. um oh. and really just like cut cut my teeth in the local music scene in various bands between the ages of like 14 and 20 i guess what did you enjoy then what did you what were you enjoying what was it about performing live i don't know it just like i i, I guess like especially this year i've been on tour since essentially since I was 18 years old non-stop like I've always worked other jobs even when you know like when I was younger I worked in bars and was still on tour I had a couple of gap years was touring then was touring all throughout uni and then like became a session player more and was you know been touring since then like 2019 if I think about 2019 how busy I was but with soak and self-esteem like touring the world playing gigs I think I was away for 200 out of 200 nights out of you know the year and then to have that completely absolutely nothing for the first time in 12 years essentially like I haven't found anything else that provides the same feeling and of fulfillment and adrenaline release and catharsis. Like I, I, I yes. do all the healthy hacks already <laughs> and, yeah. and yeah. sometimes drink some beer and like none of it works apart from playing shows. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's that in, like... intangible feeling of all of those things, you know, adrenaline, creativity, catharsis, release, um, external validation, like all of those things. And so, when what do you do? You get a, a frustration from watching bands on stage. Do you, is there is there something like you want you want to be doing that? Is, is there something you want constantly? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, does that affect your your watching of other bands or other artists? Sometimes, because I think when you're on tour. Um, you can get lazy in terms of not watching the other bands because but also like you're there to do your bit and you have to do that to the best of your ability so sometimes it does require preparation like anything else like and you have to get into the zone and sometimes that means that you don't get to watch all of the other bands all of the time the other night every night but um yeah i think it, yeah it's different going to a gig when you're not on the bill um but it does frustrate me because i'm just like well, i just want to do that that's why I'm, i do you know yeah I love that because I, I, I want you to know as a music fan and me who's down in the audience opposite you on the stage, what you've just articulated there is exactly the same for me. And I think I would use the same words, maybe not creative, mm. unless we're talking about my dad dance moves, <laughs> but from, from a very, very young age, from going to, to my, my first gigs um and chris and i talk about this you know what is what is your first gig that you've you've been to and chris's was a jazz gig obviously he's mr jazz yeah and mine was michael jackson (laughs) oh my god that's so cool (laughs) i mean you know but i'd grown up as well going to uh various classical concerts my mum was always really good and took us to classical concerts and things like that i i really appreciated them and i you know used to play in the south glamorgan orchestra and so we'll play in those Mm. but i remember going to pop concert and michael jackson and then actually just a few months after that i saw the shaman oh my god amazing which was absolutely brilliant and then that was it then it was all uphill from there you know it was straight on to james and radiohead and all, all that but i got addicted and it was the adrenaline and it was the anticipation it was the feeling it was the elation and it Mm. became i've said this before it came a real 
spiritual feeling for me, but something I had to do. It was like a drug. It was an outlet for me and I had to go. And even at the age of, you know, 44, (laughs) this past year of not going to gigs, I, I am missing something there is something it's like you know i'm cold gone cold turkey and it's uh, i've realized over the years that i have to have that release you know so i'm assuming then that that is pretty much similar for you as a as a performer you get that those same those same feelings yeah i do and and like and and also it's been a a wild 12 months obviously for so many reasons globally individually collectively and there's elements of it that I can take the positive from like there's things that being at home I've been forced to just reprioritize whilst this is happening because the thing that I would ideally be doing I can't do but there's there's elements of like an enforced slowdown that have been good for me because I was I think I was so busy that I was approaching a bit of burnout at the end of 2019 so actually like that's good there's other things that like normal for want of a better word people do people who don't travel a lot for work that I've kind of establish good routines with and i've had i just because i've had to like you know i've had to make the best of it but but there's been positive to come out of it for example like finally having the time and headspace and emotional bandwidth to properly start my own project rather than just playing for other people um even things just like being able to eat properly and not just eat on the road all the time and like exercise consistently and like make that like make health and fitness a priority and you know having therapy every week you know just like learning about myself like finding Mm. out who i am without all of those external things which has like been thrust upon me but also a massively positive exercise but it's also kind of um revealed to me in case i didn't know already that like if i could never play another gig again i don't think i could ever be fully truly happy okay that's i want to pick up on something there that's really interesting fascinating actually listening to you throughout this evening because you suggested that you've been you've been playing live since a very very young age and on tour right through uni do you feel like then, because for me, music and the music I like was always an identity, even though I was always crossing genres. So when some of my friends in school were just metalers or just indie kids, I was always, you know, in between. I'd go to metal gigs. I'd then be yeah. going to watch, you know, the Chemical Brothers or whatever. I was always going across. But I still had an identity. What you've just said then, I don't think I've ever th- thought about. Did you feel like you weren't sure who you were then a hundred percent because you know yeah because my identity has been defined by sophie who is busy sophie the musician sophie who is touring sophie who is away sophie who is gigging like sophie the musician is that's that's like who i am and who what people know me for like people know that not people i don't mean like in a fame way i mean like people that know me as a person like it's the first thing the first thing that they'll say if they introduce me to somebody else is like this is sophie and she does music you know, ah, it's so right. intertwined with my identity. Yes. So yes. if I'm not doing music every day, what am I doing? Who am I? And like, you know, the, you know, this time last year, I kind of <clears throat> came out of a relationship, wasn't doing any touring, was just sat at home figuring out how long this was going to last for. So it's like when you're like Sophie, someone's girlfriend, Sophie, the musician, Sophie, who's away, and then all of those things are gone. You're like, who yeah. am I and what do I care about and what am I going to do? You know, there's loads of things I can do. You know, I, I can, I could you know change careers i could get a job you know i could i could there's loads of jobs i've had you know there's loads of jobs i still do you know bits and bobs and it's like it's not about ability it's about like need and like want you know like i could you know i don't think i would ever be truly fulfilled if something prevented me from doing music god forbid yeah that's that's interesting because that's just um that's a real obvious ignorance on my part then because 
no matter where I am in life or I was going to gigs more often as a youngster, it would only be, you know, one, sometimes I'd be going two or three times, but it wasn't every night. Mm. And so that was just that there was a balance to that in my life. Cause then I was also playing a lot of football and I was doing, you know, drama and acting yeah. and play here and there. But what I've not thought for you, even though as a musician, as a working musician, you still have those wonderful feelings performing like I do in the audience watching. Actually, that is your every day, of course. That's your all day, every day. Yeah. we're in the middle of a gig and you're behind the drum kit i mean you could be behind any instrument am i seeing the real sophie there yeah totally and like yeah well i guess yes i know because when you're performing you are you are kind of you can be a caricature of yourself because you are putting on a show because for example if you have had something happen in that day you need to you get the balance of like leaving it at yeah. the door, but also yeah. channeling it, you know, like, so, yeah. so if, you know, if, if something really shit has happened, like you still need to give people the show that they've come yeah. to see. So there is an element of like, you need to get in the zone and you do the show and you're a professional. That's like the professionalism, but also like I am being my most authentic self because I'm doing what I love and I'm passionate about authentically. So it's, it's a mixture really. So yeah. like, yes, you're getting, yeah. the, you're getting the most, pure form of me but it might be it's a real mix of of passion and professionalism i mean a, a lot of the listeners won't know that i i photographed sophie for my exhibition that i had um, a couple of years back um oh, yeah. which was portraits of drummers the portraits were all based on conversations that i had with each drummer and percussionist about their memories of drumming and their outlook and the way that they perform and loads of different things but they they all kind of tapped into little areas of character and, and memory. And, and yours, Sophie, was about the fact that you play, and I, I keep on forgetting the phrase, but it, open-handed, is that right? Yeah, when, it, when, I was in, when I was in pins, I didn't use a hi-hat. Yeah. I had an extra tom there instead, so I kind of, I didn't have that cross-hand thing. Yeah. So my body, my body language was a lot more open. So you didn't even have a hi-hat on your right? No, I didn't have one at all. But you, you talked about the fact that the, part of the reason for that was that you did want to be open to the audience and, and kind of um, have that, that connection and, and, you know, having impediments in the way um, were, were kind of affecting that. And, and that's why the, the, the portrait, and I will put up a couple of portraits on, on the episode page on the website, um, was with you being outstretched. And, um, I mean, yeah. it, it wasn't a kind of crucifixion picture although sometimes i see it a little bit yeah. like that but no it was just about being open and being kind of this is me this is this is who i am and uh, i'm you know i'm here yeah but yeah that was interesting about the, the, the fact that you are kind of yourself you know there's there's no there's no front there's no um you know you're not fronting it out do you know what i mean yeah i like that you've maybe this past year you've acknowledged yeah there's negatives but there's positives and so that you have found time to find that balance which is really important and that you know it is yeah because i can be quite obsessive about stuff right and, okay and you know like uh I'm, I'm very goal oriented and achievement based so like to have that 
and I'm always looking forward to the next thing and I'm very driven and like quite a d- dynamic person. I like to be on the go, I like to be occupied. I'm not very good with my own time. I'm not very good at being bored. I'm not very good at having lots of time to think, but like having that enforced upon you makes you do the hard work actually, if you embrace it a little bit. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that like when the world opens up a bit more, I will be able to fi- like find my balance of busy and not busy, traveling, not traveling, and like look after myself and maybe not fall into the traps that I fell into just because I didn't know any different. When touring then, do you fall into habits, whether it's bad, good? Do you start getting rituals that you wouldn't otherwise have in your life? I think um, touring is a very intense lifestyle and it's not for everybody. Like some people would massively freak out. Like I kind of thrive on the plans changing and the spontaneity. Like I kind of roll with that quite easily just because of my Mm. nature. But some people like not knowing where they're going to be, you know, and plans changing all the time would stress them out massively. So it is hard because on tour I think like small problems can become magnified and become big problems and like it's not like any other job it's like when you're traveling with people you're essentially living with them so you know interpersonal dynamics are super important and I've been I've been like really lucky with you know I I adore the people that I work with um you know they're my friends we have a laugh but even then it gets hard you know you're tired you're traveling you know it, it can be stressful there's so many variables that you can't control so you have to be quite easygoing with stuff and 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 roll with it. And and it's not a normal timeline. It's not a normal way to live. And it can be an unhealthy way to live. And you have to really yeah. actively look after yourself. Yeah. Especially when you're touring like on an independent level, you know, and you're in splitter vans and you're sleeping upright a little bit and you're staying in travel lodges and stuff. It's like when you're lugging the gear up and down the stairs yourself, you know, like it can be very unglamorous. And you don't really have control over what you eat, really. And like, yeah. if, you, if you're into exercising, you have to really try. You have to really try hard to make that happen because it's not going to just be thrust upon you. You know, your environment. Like, you have to. Sometimes you have to actively counter your environment to live a healthy lifestyle on the road. And you can see how people just fall into like boozing and stuff. Yeah. When when you when it gets to sort of performance or at the venue yeah do you have a ritual is there something that you have to do is there something that you have to check is there some kind of uh constant that you have that you think right okay i'm I'm ready now Mm, sort of but also i try not to rely too heavily on it in case i can't you know like i don't want my mental state to be <laughs> interesting because sometimes you can't you know sometimes like the dressing room is small and there isn't a space like i wouldn't want to like have a whole 30 minute routine to get into the zone because sometimes you don't have 30 minutes if you've rocked up to a festival and it's like a line check and you don't even have a sound check you know like things like that so right, it's, it's a mixture of like knowing that your shit is in order in terms of like your gear and that you know the parts and that you know your pedals are in the right place you keep as much stuff consistent as you can that's the key is like you have the same things in the same place and the same volumes and whatever as much as you can in terms of tech but in terms of like preparation i try and not get too ritualized about it just in case i don't have time to then do the ritual and then i would feel weird so yeah you know um, you control the things that you can control and everything else you have to just let it exactly exactly that it's tiring and it's hard graft but the payoff is totally worth it for me personally but it's not for everyone for sure as a punter were you able to go to many gigs because it sounded like you were out gigging all the time Uh, have you been to many gigs yeah like I, i do but i like i don't get the same enjoyment of just going and watching like i always feel a bit weird you know like i like i like it and i really like going to see my friends bands because then i get to hang out with my friends 
but I always feel a little bit like antsy, like, because I'm waiting for like soundcheck or the changeover. Like I'm always waiting for something. And then when it just doesn't, you don't get the release when you go to see another gig. And I just get frustrated because then I'm like, oh, I get loads of ideas and I get inspired and I'm a bit jealous. And like, <laughs> so I, I like, I like watching other bands when I'm going to play in a band too. That's my favorite. <laughs> Um, so can you can you remember your first the first gig that you went to and and you know first band that you went to go and see? I remember going to I went to local gigs a lot. You know I can't even remember what you know like playing seeing bands my own age play and then like seeing some like dead shit touring bands come through as well. Yeah. Um, but the first like I remember the first massive gig I went to, my sister took me to see Limp Biscuit at Finsbury Park. <laughs> and I was like, it's like, must have been like 2002, I must have been like 12, 13, 14, I don't know. And it was fucking terrifying. Like, you've got like 100,000 people in Finsbury Park playing, a, like Limp Bizkit playing a free show. And like the mosh bit, I, I was like, what the fuck show. is going on? I'm sure it was free. Like, I don't know what it was going on. Like, I'm going to have to do some research. Is that because Limp Bizkit couldn't sell out Finsbury Park? <laughs> I don't know. They, they paper it. They papered Finsbury Park. Give them away, give them away, give them away. <laughs> But Limp Bizkit, Finsbury Park 2003, it was free. <gasps> wow. For 20,000 people. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, and it was terrifying. So was it competition winners or something? I'm just looking it up now, because like, like, obviously I was 14, now I'm only, only just thinking of the logistics about it now. It was the 6th of September 2003, Limp Bizkit held a free gig in Finsbury Park for 20,000 fans. Tickets were available online and sold out in hours. And it was a band called This Girl, then Biffy Clyro, In Me, Cooper Temple Claws, A, and then Limp Biscuit, all day. Man, I saw Cooper Temple Claws quite a few times, and they were wicked. In yeah. Small venues. Really, I don't know if you remember them or yeah. seeing them that day, but yeah, they were they were wicked. A on their day, A were yeah good fun as well that sounds a bit of a backhanded comment but yeah no they were good life it was wild and so and like it was just like so like so much stimulation everywhere i was like oh my god what is going on yeah my sister used to take me to gigs when i was a a teenager so limp biscuit was the first one then okay yeah the the first like big gig yeah like we went to see the darkness as well at birmingham arena or something and uh i went to see the hives and i went to yeah like we used to go and see see stuff it was great do you know the so the darkness here i love this so uh, i'm going to assume that both of you are, are aware of hugh stevens from yes Lazy One oh Six lovely Music. hugh Love, lovely hugh. oh he's well actually in fact yeah hugh is is the reason i started listening to soak mm. uh, he's massive massive soak fan isn't he now i i know hugh we're both from Cardiff, everyone knows each other in Cardiff. <laughs> yeah. And so we'd always be going to gigs. Now, Hugh and his friend, Booby Baz, started a, a record label. And in fact, they've just released it on Spotify, all the singles they released. And they had, it was absolutely brilliant. And they turned down signing The Darkness. <laughs> no way. Wow. You know, that, that, that album, Permission to Land, slaps. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, they, they were... This is the thing with the darkness. In fact, it was a thing called Love. That was the single that they and the band said to them, "Come on, boys, you release." And they were just like, "I think Barry, I think Baz admits himself it was more him that just went, no way, Hugh, who are these mm. goons? That's just not cool.'" And you know, we we know the rest. But that's what the world needed at that that moment. Or certainly, this they country. are amazing needed, musicians. Needed, yeah, amazing musicians, not taking themselves seriously, and yeah. they had but some also taking and... themselves seriously. People yeah. think that that was completely tongue-in-cheek. Nah, 
And I tell I tell you what was really funny, and it's out there online. There was um, so Sophie. I used to be a uh, I used to be a presenter on CBeebies, and yeah. um, there there's a program, kids program called Zingzillas, and it was about these musical monkeys who had a who had a band, and these monkeys were skins, so they had performers inside, and um, they would always have really famous each episode, a really famous guest, and they got amazing guests, musical guests, oh, amazing guests, the best musicians. Now, Dan from the Darkness was a dad. And um, it's like, I really want to get on Singzilla's. And it's one, of, it's, it's one of the greatest episodes of kids TV. And I remember the boys who were involved and wrote the music for Singzilla's were messaging me because I was like, you've got to tell me about how this darkness episode goes. And Justin turns up in Lycra onesie yes. that, that splits right across the chest. So you can see all his chest is his nipples, everything, and there was a there was a massive conversation uh, in in an office. <laughs> can can we show his nipples yeah. <laughs> too much <laughs> for CBBS? And that episode is out there, and it is so absolutely good. incredible. It's so so much fun, and I just remember sort of being really excited, and and I got to link into it on the TV. And now it's time for the Zingzillas with, and I was just like, oh, this is the best thing ever. So <laughs> they good. are just they are just so good, but they are they're great musicians. I, I had a guitar teacher at uni. I can't remember his name now, but he he was in Rasta Mouse's live band. You know Brilliant. when they go around and like play the festivals. Hang on, who was that? Because I know them. When I was at uni, I'm sure his name was Steve. We'll we'll, we'll speak after. I'm just his we'll, name we'll has gone completely out of my head. from the podcast because I I pretty much toured with the Rastamouse Live. Yeah, the, the festival lads. I'm telling <laughs> you now. You yeah. I'm telling you now that band is one of the best live bands. Yeah, he was an incredible guitarist. Oh, they were the the music on it was amazing. And in fact, I introduced them on stage to about forty thousand people at Legoland, Windsor. It was oh. outrageous. Zingzilla's Rasta Mouse. And you, you want to see the crowd. It was absolutely Quality hilarious. lineup. They, they, went, they went crazy for it. And I'm stood in the wings going, this is, this is crazy. Yeah. They, the, the Rasta Mouse album was brilliant. And they were some brilliant musicians. That yeah. was amazing. Your, teacher, your guitar <laughs> teacher was in the Rasta Mouse band. Yeah. Oh, in fact, I'll show you pictures after the podcast. <laughs> Me and your university teacher. Yeah. So did you, did you happen to keep any ticket stubs? Both Chris and I, and we go on about this all the time, we, we, we kept loads of our ticket stubs. Was that ever, have you ever kept sort of ticket stubs or memorabilia or anything like that? Yeah, and I've definitely kept, kept I've got loads of like uh, AAA lanyards and like sticky passes from backstage at loads of places. I've got loads of them that I always, you know, keep them and stuff. Um, I should do something really, do something with them really, you know, um, make something out of them. But um... ah, that's become your thing. We we spoke with Martin Carr from the Boo Radleys, mm. and, yeah, and that was the only thing he would collect. And sadly, left them in that what's that famous hotel in Hollywood? He said uh, on the back of the door, and he had loads of them. Because he always take them everywhere with him as well. Yeah, I oh, really. Darley, yeah. Mine's um, in a box at home. Loads but... of them. Yeah, I always keep think little things like that, like little part, part backstage passes and stuff, just to remind me of what the fuck I've been doing all these years. Yeah, well, I've I I looked at I I looked at my, my well, I've got got it here. I've, I've got my um, 
Look at that. I know. Look at this. Beautiful to the listener, thing. yet again, especially for the regular listeners, it's that part of the uh, podcast where Chris gets his gets album out. His file, <laughs> his album out. No, but what I did was I, I went through this album and, um, you know, we've been locked down. I got a little board. I got myself a little Excel spreadsheet and I put down the date and the name of the band and the, the venue and... I just logged them all, including all the photo passes that I had. And I thought halfway through, what the hell am I doing this for? But then at the end of it, I realized that I could filter and I go, right, what have I seen at this venue? Oh, what have I seen in the, this month? Which are my busy months for going to see bands? Da, 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 da. Where have I seen this band? And yeah. it, it was fantastic. Sophie's so I'm... leaving the room. Sophie's no. edging away slowly. No. I was just... <laughs> I think it's great because like I, I there was a time in my life when I could just like remember every gig that I've done and now I and I kind of pr- prided myself on that and if I having a good yeah. memory and now people are like do you remember this I'm like absolutely not no like yeah. no <laughs> people like I literally did it did a show with Soak on the last US and like North American tour we did got to this place and I was like this venue is cool and like we stayed in a hotel like by the venue I was like this place is great did sound check, had dinner, all that. And it was only when I walked into the dressing room, I was like, I have deaf, I've played it before, I've been here before. <laughs> like, I was like, I've never been to this, never been to the city before. No. So excited to explore. I played that very venue, but it was only like when I got the flashback of like <laughs> going in the dressing room, I was like, Jesus Christ. And had you played it with Soak as well? No, I played it, played it with pins like years ago when we went on to all the subways. <laughs> so like I'd completely forgotten. And I was like, this venue's cool. Like not even a little bit of like. <laughs> not a flicker. No. Do you know what, Sophie? I am happy to offer Chris's services to you, and he will to create you a spreadsheet. Just supply him with the goods, and he'll return them with a spreadsheet. Honestly, but then it'd be like, oh, this is a good spreadsheet. Who's done this? And like last edited by Sophie Galpin yesterday. I'm like, oh god, Jesus! <laughs> yeah. I recognise it. I actually really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it, and and also I could think I could look back to a particular month in. 1995 or something go wow you know seven gigs that month and i can remember where i was living and what we did before that particular gig and what we did afterwards and oh it's great it was i mean apart from apart from anything else it was good for the soul just to go ah that that's alex alex will yours be like all the all the kids road shows and stuff yeah no it is yeah the big bash for me, it's true. That is true, basically. That is my life. <laughs> Mr. One, Bloom 1 p.m., Mr. Tumble, Mr. Bloom, <laughs> Mr. Maker. Loads of misters in the end. So we're going to take you on to um, the the tongue-in-cheek quickfire round. Say tongue-in-cheek because yet on any episode are we able to get through this in a very quickfire kind of way. Shall I try? Well, you could try. I'll be honest, it's never the guest. It's me. It's me. It's you wanging on. Exactly. Um, I'll stop wanging on. Go on, Chris. Okay. um, uh, Favourite live musician? St. Vincent. Oh, what a choice. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know I was going to say that until it came out of my mouth. But wow, really? he was a yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, quick Great. fire. Well, 
Yeah. What, well, it's, I'm, I'm not. See, it's Alex who does it. Yeah, Alex does exactly. it. Exactly. I can't ignore that. What What is it you love about St. Vincent? Everything. It's like Annie Clark's like technical prowess, uh, musicianship, kind of like performance, like performership, uh, aesthetic, songs, like everything. It's the whole package for me. It's like integrity, but accessibility. Um, authenticity like all of it yes but a new new song came out last week or was was played last week it's really knockout isn't it love it and i love the new aesthetic i love like it's it's still her but it's like a bit of a rebrand but the music is essentially her like yeah really really i I, I, see i love that and i've always been attracted to uh to uh, you know bands and artists that would have a change have an aesthetic change and have a style and have a certain thing also uh anna anna calvi i was lucky enough to go on tour with her just like opening as a dj And they took me on the bus and stuff, which they really didn't have to do. Absolutely lovely bunch of people, really, really kind. And because she's quite like she's quite a small frame, like she's a small and she's quite quiet, you know, as a person. And she gets on stage and just absolutely rips and like commands a room and mm. just has this this energy and like and her musicianship is insane. She like, can insane. play. Oh yeah. But just like it was such a lovely time, and like we all like I took them to my favorite Thai restaurant in Manchester and like. They really didn't have to be so accommodating and so kind to me, but they totally were, made me welcome, like took me on the bus, were really, really nice, looked after me. And I got to watch Anna Calvi for like five nights in a week and it was amazing. When was, when was that about? I reckon it must have been 2018, maybe. Right. And, and you, were the, you were the opening DJ? Yeah, they just had a couple of people. They had like um, female identifying or LGBTQIA plus like, DJ openers because they didn't have any support bands because it's like it's quite a complex setup for the there was only three musicians you know, Anna Calvey and two other musicians I think but like they had a lot of stuff so they were just getting like local people to open with, oh, with DJ right. sets but I kind of did a few of them so I think I did like Manchester Birmingham and Newcastle or something so I went on the bus for a few and then they would also get somebody local so um do you have a favourite venue? And you can choose how you answer this, whether this is as a, as a punter, but I'm thinking it's more likely as a, as a performer. Um, I, that's really difficult because there's lots for lots of different reasons. But I, think, I can tell you a venue that I've played so many times in so different bands, so many different bands, and I always have a good time. Is it the Lexington in London on Pentonville Road? And oh, it's yes. like, I've played, I must have played there with six or seven different bands. Like, and, and like every band that I've been associated with ever has played there at some point. So it's like a real like staple venue that I'm just really familiar with. Can you name those bands just out of interest? Because I'm interested in the genre because you're saying that. So it's interesting to me that it might be with, you know, your punk side or with, uh, you know, with pins yeah. or perhaps with Soak, which is a bit, uh, you know. <laughs> not punk so what 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 yeah. other bands was that that you were performing with so i played with one of my early bands my first tooth loads of times Sa- uh, singer songwriter sam isaac played with him yeah. lots of times there bright light bright light um oh, wow. welsh artist actually played there with him yeah uh, i played there with pins a bunch of times uh, i've played there with self-esteem what is it about that venue then because obviously acoustic wise it works with all those genres yeah it's just like it's that they always have a really good in-house engineer it's just like a rectangular room where everyone can see uh the sound system's good like it's just like everything you want from a square venue you know like it sounds good you can see it's vibey when you fit people in there it's like big enough to be vibey but small enough to be intimate I was going to say, what kind of size is it? If you compare it to uh, my frame of reference is Manchester. So what, what venue 
um, would you compare it size-wise to in Manchester? I'm sure it's like three or f- three or four hundred caps, or like Deaf Institute or something. Like it's not as big as right. Gorilla, right? You know, it's kind of like it's not as tall as that. So maybe like Deaf Institute or like Band on the Wall, that kind of size. Band on the Wall, yeah, something like something like that, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Okay. Apologies to people who are listening and not in Manchester, but you know that's where <laughs> that's where it's we're a three or four hundred venue. Think about yeah. one near you, King Tut's. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Club Evil Bach upstairs. Yeah, there we go. Um, exactly that. The three we, countries we've covered there. Brilliant. Yeah. Do you know Club Evil Bach? Yeah, I've played there loads. Yeah. Oh, yes, this is brilliant, Chris. When you're performing, and I imagine it's slightly different, depends on what instrument you're playing. Do you look at the crowd a lot? Do you make a point of looking at the crowd? Do you like the eye contact, or do you not like seeing the crowd, or can you not even see them much? Sometimes you can't see them at all. Sometimes you can mm. see the whites of everyone's eyes. <laughs> really? Do you like that? I like it. I don't mind either way. Like, I like having a little look around and I like looking at people. And sometimes I used to make a point of it. Like, if I was feeling sassy, I would stare people down. Um, <laughs> but when I was drumming, I would, because it, like, you don't really necessarily have to look at what you're doing sometimes. So I would like be looking and eyeballing people. And it also depends like what frame of mind I'm in. Like, because sometimes when you get really, like, you get super you've been on tour for ages and like you get super comfortable and it's really muscle memory. Like sometimes your mind does wander a bit and you're thinking about other stuff. Like, um, <laughs> yeah. so, so sometimes, sometimes yeah, I would look around and like when you play big venues and there's loads of people and you just want to take it in, like so, like soak, we supported the Lumineers on an arena tour at the tail end of 2019. And so like playing the O2, I was like, I am just like, like Whoa. playing my base of the O2 and then, like people putting all their phones in the air and stuff in the slow songs. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm just going to definitely look around the room for this for sure. <laughs> and is that in, in an arena like that, when it is so big, are you just, is the only thing you're seeing those mobile phone lights? I'm assuming you can't see the whites of anyone's eyes there. Can you? You can see the people at the front, but then like sometimes when they bring the house lights up and you see all of those people, it's absolutely bananas, but it's cool. And the same with festivals. It's like when you can see all the people when you're playing the day and you can see all those people, you know that's really cool do you thrive off it do you like that though love it is it yeah bloody love it yeah uh, yeah totally and why would off. you not honestly i mean i, I yeah why like would you not love that? people are like mm, are you missing my music and i'm like uh people are like you you know you rely on external validation i'm like I, yeah like you don't when you go to the in the office in the morning nobody watches you for half an hour in silence and then claps at what you're doing like <laughs> Like a certain amount of narcissism and like a strange personality that craves that. It's like, I want to go to work and everyone be quiet and listen to what I'm doing and then give me a round of applause. And then buy a t-shirt with my name on it. Yeah, buy a t-shirt with my name on it and buy me a drink afterwards and I'm going to get drunk. Like, you know, like just, you know. Absolutely. When you break it down to what it is, it's like, come and look at me do my job in silence. Like, you know, it's a certain amount of neediness when you put it like that it's absolutely ridiculous isn't it imagine if everybody just was like operated like that in normal person jobs (laughs) it is nice to have it is nice to be acknowledged though it is nice to have that gratitude yeah apart from here's one for you this was the best uh autograph request i'd ever had i was it was cardiff city i'm a cardiff city fan it's half time i'm having a wee and it's football ground urinals. So they're just all open, big yeah. wall. I'm having a wee. And this guy literally leans over my shoulder as I'm having a wee and goes, oh, mate, you uh, couldn't sign my program for me, could you? You're like, in like... urine? Because at the moment, that's what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, the weird thing is, he didn't even, he didn't even break any uh, sort of 
ice. He didn't, he didn't acknowledge, are you the guy from CBBS? He just went, excuse me, mate, could you sign my program? And I just, all I could think of was just, I just sort of looked at while slightly sort of crouching around just went, can I wash my hands first? And that's what I said. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) So that acknowledgement, Sophie, until, you know. Yeah. You must get loads of parents like, trying to play it cool but desperate like as in like they're, pl- they're trying to they're trying to act like they don't care but they totally are like yeah they do ba- because ba- they see you all the time yeah back in the day and it was always the dads it was always, always the dads, dads who like, would oh it's the for mums. my daughter yeah, it's for my daughter. oh no they like. would they would they would hardly ever come i would see them nudging the mums or their yeah. parents or whoever going love it just go and say something but that's you know that's, <laughs> that's not that's not a full crowd at the o2 which is which is brilliant which is brilliant so the famous quick fire round is going yeah. well chris yeah absolutely <laughs> i'm doing my bit i'm doing my end of the no, exactly you came straight out of the bat with st vincent and then then it absolutely Chucked a spanner in the works, young young Mister. I, I promise you, Sophie. I'm. I'll be lucky if I get another one or two episodes before he kicks me off this podcast. <laughs> um, what was your favourite ever gig as a oh as a punter? Whoa. Yeah, as a punter. Oh my gosh! Who did you see in it? They absolutely nailed it. Um. So sometimes it's really great when you go and see a full production arena show like as somebody who plays in a lot of like indie venues and like guitar bands and things like that and i saw um rihanna at the o2 and it was so good i've seen rihanna twice i've seen katy perry and like going to see a show like that and you're just like oh this is brilliant like Mm. and the spice girls the spice girls were amazing like it was on the reunion tour oh my god yeah so good so like going to see gigs like that is really like it's a real spectacle and it's so great and you forget that it's like so much money and so much like pizzazz that you're like oh this is really exciting you know and like there's a lot to be said for it and i'm like i would love to tour on that level just like for fun it'd be so great and for money also (laughs) for our job who Um, would you who would you like to play with because who's me you've got to play that music every night who who would you like to do it with i'd I'd play with any of those pop stars like you know like it's so fun playing pop gigs like like you know like that like i would yeah totally um we sometimes talk about guilty pleasures but chris and i both said that we're going to take get rid of that phrase because uh i, I, I never use it i never use it if you like yeah. it no exactly we get rid of the first word it's just called pleasures and it's more unexpected pleasures yeah um, yeah like I, I i'm not ashamed of anything that i like even if it's objectively shit <laughs> I, I i used to though and i'm not going to lie about that i'm not going to change history but i loved ronan keaton's solo singles for ages Roller yeah, coaster. it's because yeah. they absolutely bang. Like yeah. that's why they're popular. It's because they were written by Greg. What's his face from the New Radicals, wasn't it? And it sounded like they all sounded like you get what you give. But also, Ronan Keaton's got a good voice. Yeah, yeah. So, so I realised got rid of that, and it's more unexpected. And you mentioned Katy Perry, and when we were at Glastonbury, my my daughter was like, "Oh, are we going to go and watch Katy Perry?" And I was thinking, "Well, yeah, of course, because we'll do whatever you want." Uh, and I didn't expect much. Oh my gosh! Because she, I'm, I'm real. She was early evening as well, mm. and she bought as much of the pizzazz as she could, and she was brilliant. And I'd be lying. I wouldn't. I, I can't go. Well, she was all right, or her voice was. No, her voice was incredible. Her performance yeah. was incredible, and those songs sounded amazing. I saw Kesha at Glastonbury once, and it was so good. Like the, the show yeah. was really good. There's like these people dressed up in like 
penis costumes and like furry animals and like loads of like mad stuff going on. But it was really enjoyable. I was like, I'm having fun. I guess it's good. I I think I I think those and it may be because I started off, you know, Michael Jackson. Yeah. First gig. What and then you know a year later or two years later, Zoo TV, which was U2. Mm. And which still is possibly one of the greatest live shows ever. So I've always, I've always enjoyed that big pizzazz. Um, and I took my Boyd C21 pilots. It yeah. came up on my Facebook exactly two years ago this week in Manchester Arena. Oh my gosh. And they were doing everything considering they were two piece. Mm. You know, illusions. The big space to fill. Yeah. That just, it was, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. I'm glad that's a great answer. I'm glad you said that Rihanna and Katy Perry. Katy Perry, yeah. What's the worst gig you've been to? Oh, God. Another great question. And this is a safe space. Safe space. Okay. Safe space yeah. on the entire we've internet. Had, we've had sort of disappointments, you know, real emotional disappointments, but then also just, oh, that was just rubbish. Um, I don't know, actually. Nothing's really springing, nothing's really springing to mind. And I like that as an answer as well. Yeah, like... Because you can always find something, you know, you can always find people are going there and showing up. Like usually if a gig is shit, it's, it's usually like tech stuff and that's just really disappointing and it's not the band's fault. Because, but I also think yeah. I'm coming from an empathetic point of view, like average person on the street would be like, this gig is shit and would tell all their friends that it's shit, but they don't know why it's shit. Like yeah. when and when is when you like think analytically about music and do it for a job, you're like, oh God, like there's some, the PA is fucked or like that mic doesn't work. And they're just like, we can't hear your voice, which means you're shit, you know, like. Uh, so, so of course you're seeing it. You're, you're probably watching it or hearing it differently to, to I would then. So that's interesting. Yeah. And like thing when you're on stage and things goes wrong, it seems like a massive deal. And like mostly people just don't notice. The general answer to that question, isn't it, Chris, is um, Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it seems to have been the, the, everyone seems to have shared notes, gone, you're going to get asked this, just say Bob Dylan, just and then Bob we'll move on. Um, yeah. Bless him, bless his heart. I was going to say, I mean, I went to see a gig at the arena, and it wasn't, uh, the, the performance was absolutely incredible, but it was it was nearly turned into a bad gig because of the audience and, and the, the, the people who were sitting in front of me. And they felt, oh, no. and we, we had arguments kind of throughout the, the gig saying, can you just oh, stop singing at the top of your voice? Because we were yeah. sitting down. Can you not sing at the top of your voice? Because he's singing. And they, they were like, well, we've bought our, we've spent our money too. <laughs> we've bought a ticket so we can do whatever they like, we like. And they were yeah. all kind of dancing around. It was, it was like it was the first gig they'd ever been to. And <laughs> and and it was really heartbreaking because it was Stevie Wonder. Yeah. You just go, come on, really? Yeah. It, um, it was it was pretty gutting, but it's it, you know it can, it can be, a bad gig can can be not because of who you're watching yeah. at their performance. It can be who's exactly. standing right in front of you. There's been like gigs where I've been on stage and like there's just been some nutter like trying to talk to you when you're playing a show like or between songs just like shouting like there's nobody else there and you just have to kind of like, <laughs> like you're getting heck it's like heckling but like it's just like you're just like oh it's really tiring this yeah someone just being like just trying to talk to you as if you're having a conversation you're like i'm busy i'm just at the moment i'm just doing this gig yeah. for all of these people not just you um and people just trying to like be oddballs is there a particular gig that stands out in your mind where you just loved every second of it 
and you came off euphoric going, that was the best gig. I just loved that for whatever reason, you know. That that Glastonbury Soak show was amazing because it was like yeah. on the park stage, like six o'clock, five, six o'clock when the sun's going down. Yeah. Um, we were all absolutely wrecked because we just got back from America. Um, I was just like delirious and exhausted, but it was just so good. And it was so hot. Oh, you know, that, that yeah. week, it was like 30, 30 degrees all weekend. It was a scorcher. But we were just like absolutely fucked because we'd... We just fit. We'd done a UK and European leg of tour, and then we'd gone to the states and done a few weeks there. Then we'd flown back to. So we'd we'd finished in New York. We flew to Dublin for one show, a festival, and none of our gear arrived. So like, I literally rocked oh, up to this no. show in Dublin, and I didn't have a bass or a keyboard, and I was like, um, <laughs> I had to borrow some stuff. Problem. And we flew back to New York to do late night with Seth Meyers TV uh, performance. Then we flew straight to Glastonbury, and then I did four shows at Glastonbury, one with Soak and three with Self Esteem, and it was like thirty degrees a weekend. So I've been across the Atlantic three times in six days after about six weeks of touring. So people were like after that were like. I haven't really seen you since Glastonbury. I was like, did I see you at Glastonbury? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely no idea. It's like delirious. But that show is just so memorable and amazing. And I'll remember that forever. Do you know, we, I need to, we need to start bringing it to a close because we've, you know, had you talking for ages. There's, there's a couple of questions before we finish that I'd like to just ask because I just, I generally wonder what your answers are. Mm. Who is there out there that you still want to see live that you haven't yet? Oh my gosh, so many that people. one band or one artist? I know it's hard to bring it down to one because I, I don't think I could answer it. But someone that you haven't that you just think, yeah, I really want to see. Oh, I'm just, so I'm absolutely on repeat in like in my head and or, you know, listening to the new Arlo Parks record. And like, yes. she is amazing. Like, she's so amazing. And like, I really want to see her live so much to see how that translates because like, yeah. I listened to uh, one of the live lounge um, songs, yes. like tunes that, she, tunes that she did like a couple of nights ago. And it's just like her voice is so good because it's so low key and it's understated. It's not like a pop belter. It's definitely all like growers, but the songwriting is so great. And like when you really get into it and like lyrically, it's so authentic. And yeah, I really want to see her play live. That rhythm section. So good. Almost throughout, even on the, on the, the more intimate songs. Yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm shaking my head to it now. It's just beautiful. Yeah. My, my daughter is 14, and she and I just love her, and she's one that we are really looking forward to. Like we, because we're me and my family are super super Glasto fans. Mm. They had Arlo playing in front of the Bear Pyramid, didn't they last year? Yeah, on the footage. And yeah. oh, me and my daughter just sat there and were just like. <laughs> we wanted to see her but it was yeah. pretty heartbreaking wasn't it oh it was but her voice yeah what a what a great yeah. artist can't can't wait yeah definitely. Um, and the, um, the other question we'd, we'd like to ask our guests is um about a, a live track or a live album or maybe it's a video that's on youtube of a live performance mm. um, one that um you can recommend one that stayed with you and and you keep going back to what what what's in your head I always watch, so like for someone who's like been associated with a lot of independent artists and, you know, like touring on a, and an indie scale, like I love to watch like pop, like pop, live, like live pop videos and things from like really high production stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you know, like what I re- watched recently is, uh, it's absolutely fucking amazing. And some friends of mine put it together, like the musical direction of it is the Dua Lipa um, NPR 
session. I don't know if you've seen it. Yes. It's like everything's orange and it's dressed as orange. That performance is amazing. And I know a couple of the musicians are in it and they're fucking top notch. And it's just like the best live thing I've watched in ages. Um, that live NPR session, which was done during lockdown. It's just like, beaut- it looks beautiful. It sounds incredible. Yeah. And also the, like t- all the tiny desk sessions, you know, that people do like there's a Harry Styles one, yes. which is really good. Yeah. Um, and Lizzo as well, of course. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're the, they're the, like all those tiny desk sessions watching them. But that, that Dua Lipa NPR is next level. We'll, we'll pop that on the website. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That is a, that is a great recommendation. In mm. fact, I won't name him because I don't want to get into trouble. But my friend does, is responsible for lighting design for a lot of famous artists. And, mm. he, um, you know, he did Radiohead's headline at Glastonbury Stormzy. They were part Amazing. of. And, and he said they sat down with Dua Lipa for one show. Uh, and but she spoke about each song and he said it was so funny because in her mind she's he said she, you know she's amazing but she just went oh, this track it's just yellow yeah amazing <laughs> so good he's there going right this is yeah. yellow <laughs> like, i love that all right making exactly. my job easy i like yeah. it <laughs> yeah you're making it easy oh man Sophie, I can hand on heart say that has been brilliant. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for coming on. It's been good yeah. to see you. Pleasure. Brilliant. Yeah. And I'm loving your enthusiasm for performing. And man, I can't wait to, I can't wait to see you yeah. playing live. Uh, I can't wait. Do, do you have anything before we finish? Do, do we have any, anything plans that you, that might happen? that we might be able to see you at yet or no? Not too much. And I'm trying not to get too excited into like, I'm very much like until I'm doing the thing. Yeah. Like not until I'm literally there doing it. um, You know, everything is subject to change, but but I'm excited for my own music that I'm going to release this year. I've made an EP and a video, which is all going on behind the scenes. So I'm just like doing all of that prep work. Um, Where's where's the best way for us uh, all to keep up to date with that? Um, so you can follow at softlad music on Instagram is the best way to follow at the moment because, um, nothing is released yet, but also, yeah, on, tw- on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at spark and so f- for just nonsense and, um, me being stupid in the meantime. And, and bants, just general bants. Basically. So many bants, bantertainment. So bantertainment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And once we're out of lockdown, you and I, we're going to take Chris to Old Trafford. Oh, we are. Oh, be- I can't wait. To drink a pint a... and eat a pie and cry at Old Trafford. I can't wait. <laughs> yes. We're going to do it. I've been to Mordor before. Don't you worry. It's all right. I can't wait to cry into five pints and watch <laughs> Yeah. I literally can't wait. Line them up, barman. Line them yeah. up. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So, we thank you so much. Thank you. Sophie Galp in there. What a chat. <laughs> I told you, didn't I? That honestly is just one of the best chats I've had. Yeah. I think just in life in general. Yeah. She is so much fun and so interesting. And yeah, she has been everywhere and played across the genres. Belinda Carlisle. She's played string arrangements for Belinda Carlisle. Yeah. I also liked her um, music choices at the end, which were, um, I, I was 
I don't know if I was expecting something quite quirky and kind of, but no, straight in mainstream, boom, yeah. big production values. That's that's yeah. important, and yeah, fair play, and I would absolutely get behind that. Oh, totally. Uh- Absolutely. And what is also great is if you don't know any of the bands that she has played with that we mentioned, like Soak, Pins, we've got, as with all uh, the episodes, we've got Spotify playlists um, for each episode. Go on there and have a listen to some of those bands. And I'm also, I've also put up um, a video f- that she created for me during um, the first lockdown where I got it some is. of the drummers from my, my exhibition to do kind of little, little one minute, two minute um, drum exercises and she demonstrates how she came up with a, a drum um, drum part for self-esteem um, and so I'll, I'll pop the link onto that as well and it's, um, it's great, she's just really good on camera um, She she's very engaging and funny. So check her out and uh, as she mentioned her instagram which is the soft lad i can't wait to hear her own new music mm. yeah. be brilliant 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 anyway keep getting in touch with us let us know what you thought about this episode and all others you find us on social media facebook instagram twitter uh, gig stories pod linkedin so if you want to endorse us for presenting skills and for um, <laughs> For marketing and communications and, <laughs> and um, brew-making capabilities. And get in touch on, uh, on email uh, and check out the websites because we're, we're really trying to make this podcast a bit more interactive so you, know, you, can, you can see and hear a bit more about our guests. Speaking of guests... Oh. Christopher Payne has an exciting announcement. I have. Well, it's, um, it's the end of um, a long winter... We're getting into spring now, seeing snowdrops and daffodils coming through, and birds are building their nests. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking, how long is he going to take this? I know, I know. But anyway, because, I mean, for me, bank holidays mean absolutely nothing. I'm freelance. Bank holiday means the same as any other day. It just means (laughs) banks aren't open, but I bank online, so even that doesn't make a difference to me. Um, so this is still taking way too long. Um, because it's um, Easter coming up, we're going to do a double episode. Two episodes. We're going to put one out on Monday and another one out the previous night on the Sunday. Oh, yes. And do you know who's on? The Easter Bunny. The Easter Bunny. Um, no, it is... No, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't tell him. Okay. Okay, go give him, give him a bit of a hint. Give him a hint. We have a friend of ours who's a punter and has been to some quite incredible gigs and a very engaging man. He's an incredible man. Yeah. Love him. I love him. And we've got a musician who I think quite a lot of you will have heard of. Oh, that's intriguing, Alex. That's really intriguing. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Are you intrigued? There is certainly a frisson of intrigue around (laughs) this episode. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, can't, I can't sit around here all day laughing at you I've no, got stuff to, I've, I've got, got to do the dishes I've got two it. episodes to edit now so yeah and I've got I've got two bags of ironing to do so well, it never stops does it Alex it never stops no, never stops we will though we, we, yeah we will we love you lots and we'll see you next week see you next week bye bye bye